business everywhere, of course, so glad to be back open, even with reduced indoor capacity and the fourth wave here. And with that fourth wave here, there is some concern over another potential lockdown. Could we see another lockdown and just how devastating could that or would that be? Meanwhile, what about those businesses that were forced to close during the previous lockdown, the last lockdown, and did not survive? Well, it turns out they are now having trouble collecting when it comes to their insurance and their business interruption claims. Jeremy Martin is a partner at Castles, Brock & Blackwell and specializes in class action and joins us now here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Jeremy, good afternoon. Appreciate your time. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with the uh, basics. I've never heard of this. Of course, I've never been a business owner, but business interruption insurance. What exactly is that? Is it just like it sounds, Jeremy? It is exactly what it sounds like. The idea is that if you're unable to continue operating your business for some reason out of your control, let's say there's a fire or you know, a, a car drives through the front window of your enterprise, uh, you have some insurance while you get yourself back on your feet. And the question in this case is whether or not COVID is a situation kind of like that, whether it's something beyond your control that has shut down your business or whether it's restricted to something more like those situations. Okay, so what exactly are these businesses claiming? And they come from uh, just about anywhere and everywhere. We're talking about a smoothie shop, a dance studio, a suit store. Uh, This class action lawsuit involves several businesses, uh, Jeremy, and several insurance companies as well. It does. And uh, this kind of insurance is a kind of insurance that comes in kind of a standard suite of Uh, business insurance that you get when you open an enterprise. So it it would apply to any kind of, you know, we have some juice stores, we have a dance studio and so on. And uh, typically there's a certain limit, you know, it's packaged in with all the other kinds of insurance that you have. And there's some limit, whether it's 25,000, 250,000, whatever it is, depending on the size of your business. And that's the extent to which the insurance company will cover all your losses from having to be closed for five days or 50 days, whatever that's going to be. All right. Is that based on a uh, percentage of your gross revenues, uh, your net profit uh, usually? How do they uh, calculate uh, how much an insurance company may have to pay out in the case of business interruption? Well, this is what makes part of what makes the case so interesting is that everyone kind of has a different policy, right? It might be written a little bit differently. You might adjust something. You might have an Aviva uh, policy or an intact policy. And so it's they could all be a little bit different in terms of how they're phrased. Some of them will be 100%, some of them are 50%. You might have to prove them in different ways. And so that's what makes this a little bit more complicated, is that everyone has kind of the same question. You know, is COVID covered under this kind of insurance? But everyone has slightly different language. All right. And do we know uh, what insurance companies named in this suit, what they're saying? Uh, Have they come forward and offered a reason why they've been uh, denying these claims? Again, in this case, it kind of depends on the language in each kind of situation, right? There were some people that uh, are relying on business interruption language that really only... So I'll give you one example. There's this significant class action out there. Uh, it's, it's a national class, but the business interruption insurance is based on there being some direct physical loss or damage from one of these named risks. And so there's a question, you know, is having to close your business uh, a physical loss? Is that some kind of damage? An insurance company would probably say, no, that's not what we're talking about. This is 
meant to be insurance for something like there being a fire in your building or, you know, construction out front so the customers can't get in. And so they're really debating in all of these cases whether COVID is the kind of risk that you insured against or whether it's just something else entirely that we didn't even think about having insurance for. Now, I would think that a pandemic is beyond your control, right? I mean, it's not something uh, that you could control uh, at all. So would it not easily fit into the definition of a a business uh, interruption that, uh, you know, you had no control over? Well, and the question is going to be, you know, what does your policy say? Does it say anything you didn't have any control over that closes your business? In that case, you might have a fairly strong case. But in a lot of these cases, it says, you know, you... Uh, you know, we might pay out in the case of an infectious disease if your employees get sick. Well, in this case, your employees didn't get sick, right? And they, there was a shutdown to prevent that from happening. So an insurance company might say, well, under the language that we agreed to, you know, we only charged you a certain amount for insurance based on what we thought this was going to entail. And this wasn't something that we agreed upon. We talked about direct physical damage to your property, like a tree falling on the store. And this is just something else. This would have cost you a different amount of money to get this kind of insurance. Yeah, Jeremy, also wondering, how does the fact that the government, the provincial government, forced many of these stores to close and shut their doors for an extended period of time, is that any sort of mitigating factor for the insurance company? In fact, it can actually go the other way. Uh, there are some people, and there's a whole separate class action here, and I, I should mention there have been dozens of class actions about this because it's such an important uh, question for so many businesses. There have been so many losses that might be recoverable. That there's a separate class action for people that have business interruption language that includes if the government forces you to close. Now, in some cases, that might be because the fire department has closed down your business because there was a fire next door. And that's something that's obviously covered. But others have much broader language, right? There's a policy that might say, if the government forces your business to close, you're covered. And so that could be something that doesn't just militate in favor of the insurance companies. If you go the other way and mean that somebody that was going to lose this case wins it. And Jeremy, there was also uh, various government assistance, as we well know, for uh, businesses and small business owners. There was the rent relief program and other uh, loans and or uh, grants to uh, help a business, quote unquote, to weather the storm, if you will, of the uh, pandemic. Would that play a role at all in this case in how and whether insurance companies uh, decide that they're going to grant your claim for business interruption? That's a very good question, and that's actually an issue that's in several of these class actions right now. Uh, there's an argument that, well, if you've lost you know, a certain number of thousands of dollars due to business interruptions, but 90% of that has been covered by the government, then you're only entitled to the 10% that's left over. It's kind of a mitigation of risk or mitigation of damage. But uh, at the same time, whether or not the insurance company is going to pay out might include exclusions in your policy that have something to do with that. You know, if the government's fixed a certain amount of money, then, uh, uh, you know, they might have an argument that that is just what the compensation is for this kind of loss. And so, I mean, again, it goes in every case to what the policy language actually says. And there could be arguments on either side, either for the businesses or the insurers, that it can work for them or against them. Yeah, and could the plaintiffs argue that, yes, I did receive, I don't know, $60,000 in government assistance, but I can also show you that I lost $250,000 of uh, revenue, so 
yes, I'll take the 60,000 of government relief, but there's uh, still that, uh, you know, uh, leftover chunk, if you will, that, uh, you know, business interruption insurance should take care of. Exactly. And I'd fully expect them to make that argument. All right. And just finally, uh, how closely will this case and others similar to it uh, be watched uh, by everybody? Because I think you can make a pretty strong argument that uh, all businesses, uh, you know, obviously with uh, different uh, levels, were affected by the pandemic and business interrupted. It certainly was not business as usual, really, for anyone. No, and we've certainly all got our alerts queued up on our emails every time there's movement on one of these cases because it affects everybody, right? Every business, even if you didn't have to close your business down, you lost, there was some business interruption, right? Unless you're a purely online business, even if you were, you know, the supply chain might have been interrupted. There might be something that affected your business to some degree, to some proportion. And for insurers, this is a massive potential risk because there are thousands of these policies out there and insurers just might not have the resources to cover all the losses from everybody that had to close due to COVID. So whether you're a business or an insurer, this is something to watch for the next couple of years. Without a doubt. Uh, Jeremy, appreciate you taking the time with us this afternoon and breaking it down for us. Many thanks. You bet. Thanks for having me. Jeremy Martin is a class action lawyer and partner at Castles Brock and Blackwell. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.